The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. We seem to have finally reached a slowdown period in college basketball's offseason. Not much going on. But we did get some important, unsurprising, but still important news this week when Duke point guard Jeremy Roach announced that he's returning to school for a fourth year of college basketball. This development had no impact on my top 25 and one because I've always had Jeremy Roach projected to return to Duke for a fourth season. So I I still have the Blue Devils fifth in the top 25 and one behind Kansas, UConn, Purdue, and Marquette, assuming, of course, that UConn brings back Andre Jackson, Tristan Newton, Purdue brings back Zach Eady, Marquette brings back every relevant player. Obviously, if those rosters, the projections change, then I'll change with them. But for now, I've got Duke ranked fifth. Regardless, there are some people, if not lots of people, insisting uh, that the Blue Devils should now be the preseason number one based on them returning the top four scores from a team that went 10-1 and one in its final 11 games and finished 18th at Ken Palm. So let me start here, dead leg. Where are you at on Duke? Preseason number one, clear cut, or maybe not? No, not, not clear cut. I actually hope we're heading toward, can we get, you know, can we get to an October where we have actual, like, interesting disagreement over who should be the number one team? We get that some off-seasons, don't get me wrong, but... Um, between Kansas, Connecticut, wait on Purdue with Edie. If he's back, they'll have a case. Duke, Marquette returning as much as it's returning. I think those are the teams I think that are in your top five in some sort of order. I think those are the five realistically in the conversation. It'd be wonderful, frankly, if you had one. Uh, Borzello had a different, the AP top 25 had, had one, Ken Palm had a different one. Just, you know, pick your top seven, eight, nine different kind of preseason polls, rankings, whatever. And if we got some good disagreement there, and if we had a, a lack of groupthink. So I, I think there's a case. Now, Roach returning, as you mentioned, it's not surprising. There is a case, though, with 
flip back in particular uh, because he could wind up being the could wind up being the player of the year. He'll be on that list of five to ten most likely candidates to do so. Roach returning and considering the position he plays, I think that's really uh, really important. Proctor, I think, should should have the type of of season where. If he really grows as a sophomore, uh, Tyrese Proctor being like a top 20 pick next year would not stun me because I think he does have that kind of ceiling. And then Mark Mitchell's back as well. It's also it's, it's a big it's a big development for Duke in that they are returning. Uh, they're returning, you know, four starters from the season before, which brings me before we get your thoughts. Is I have a trivia time for you. OK, let's go. All right, here we go. So Duke is going to return four starters year over year. That does not happen often. Trivia time. Okay. When's the last time, year to year, that Duke returned at least four starters? I'm going to say it would be Grayson Allen's junior year. It was not Grayson Allen's junior year, but let's look up Grayson Allen's junior year real quick. Should have been Grayson Allen's junior year. Grayson Allen's junior year. Grayson Allen going into his junior year or going into his senior year? Like, what was what's the going back? going into his junior year? All right, going into Grayson Allen's junior year, he came back. Uh, that team had freshman Jason Tatum on it. It had sophomore Luke Kennard. It had freshman Frank Jackson. Had senior Emil Jefferson. Had senior Matt Jones. Uh, did not have four returning starters. You want one more guess? I do want one more guess. It'll be the year that Nolan Smith came back after winning a national championship. You are close, but if literally the head coach of Duke men's basketball is to be believed because he is the source of this information, because I asked him, he said, John Shire texted me and said, the last time it happened was 09-2010 national championship winning Duke team. Lance Thomas, Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith, and Shire all returned, and then um, Brian Zubek and, and and Lance Thomas. They both started like uh, Zubek started seventeen games, Thomas started sixteen. So it's like six and one half dozen. Whoever you're picking, according to Shire, oh nine ten was the last time a Duke team brought back at least four starters. That Duke team won the national championship. Of course, it was coached by Shashevsky, not Shire, who was on the roster there. So we'll see. There's a case to make them the preseason number one team, but I do take into account that Shire's and he's in year two of this, and Last year, he was given, you know, appropriate grace period. You know, there, there were real expectations. Don't get me wrong. But it was also, okay, let's see how this thing's going to go with John Shire, with these freshmen that are coming in. Yeah, they had, they had Roach who returned, which, which, was, which was big. They had a talented recruiting class, but it was a young team, and then they faced a lot of injuries. Now, you are going to have a team that will have final four expectations, be picked to win the ACC, and it's going to have this temperature in the air of like okay now we're like we're back to how it was for you know 80 percent of the existence we had under mike krzyzewski there will be like real pressure with that i don't anticipate any kind of like unc type 23 24 season for duke with what unc just did i don't think that's coming but i don't put it out of the realm of possibility that with that much pressure and anticipation and now it's like oh shire didn't suck in year one now this team's automatically going to be a top five team in the country we have to allow for some some variants and possibilities that just because you have all these guys returning doesn't necessarily ensure you to be one of the three or four or five best teams in the country that being said 
I wouldn't put them number one, but they are inarguably, inarguably like top five conversation heading in because of the talent, what they have coming in and the proven experience and Roach running that offense, I think will be pretty key. To your point, returning four guys like this, I guess guarantees nothing, but boy, it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to start. You got four guys who all averaged at least nine points per game last season for a team that, again, dealt with injuries and other things early in the season, but eventually got good. They got legitimately good. They were 10-1 and in their final 11 games, finished 18th at Ken Pop. So I don't have any issue with anybody ranking them number one. I actually think that we will probably get to a preseason AP poll that's got three or four, maybe even five different teams getting first place votes. I think we could have put that to rest if McKenzie and Baco would have picked Kansas. I think at that point, pretty much everybody would have gone Kansas number one. We'll get to Mbako later. But um, I still have Kansas number one. I could reasonably, I I think you can reasonably take Kansas, UConn, Purdue, Marquette, and Duke and put them in pretty much any order, any order. And so I know you might go, Okay, some people have Duke number one and you got a number five, but like I don't think there's much difference between these schools. And the only ones I have above Duke right now are schools with either a coach who is consistently awesome or a roster that has already a projected roster that has already proven to be awesome. So let's just run through it real quick. Kansas, I've got number one. I believe KU right now has one of the best rosters in America and the best coach. That's a great combination. Jayhawks have been a number one seed in 10 of the past 16 NCAA tournaments. I'm going to trust them to be awesome again. So that's one of the teams I got ahead of Duke. The next one, UConn. And that's based on them returning four of the top six scores from a national championship team and then adding a top five recruiting class. That's easy to understand. But not, but not there yet. That's just, no, no, just so people are clear. Yeah, yeah. We're still waiting on, I believe, a couple of decisions, right? I'm projecting Jackson Newton back. If one of them or both of them stay in the draft, I'll adjust. You know, I'm already up to version 12.0. I can get to 13 just like that. Just give me 20 minutes. I can update this. It's no big problem. So if UConn's projected roster looks different than I'm projecting it right now, then Duke will move ahead of them. I promise you. But for now, based on that projection, nothing crazy about having UConn slightly ahead of them. Purdue. I've got Purdue projected right now to return six of the top seven scores, including Zach Eady from a team that won the Big Ten and the Big Ten tournament and secured a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I know how it ended, but, like, I know how it ended. Enough of you have tweeted me to, to remind me how it ended. Not going to stop. I know. I know. But, like, I'm just not going to overreact to one bad game. I hear you. That team was great. all. They weren't great all year. They were great at the beginning, and then they yeah, little, got a little, little bit like that. But they were ultimately – they were a one seed that won the Big Ten and the Big Ten tournament. Yep. They're, they're – they're, Expecting them to be really good again is not crazy. And then Marquette, you know, basically returning everybody from a team that won the Big East, won the Big East tournament, had a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. So those are the only four teams I have currently projected ahead of Duke, and they're all proven, Bill Self proven, UConn's projected roster proven, Purdue's projected roster proven, Marquette's projected roster proven proven but again if you want to start duke at number one totally okay with me because i see it i understand it they will probably start those four guys that i mentioned filipowski roach proctor mitchell all of Mm -hmm. whom averaged at least nine points per game last season and then they got a five-star freshman jared mccain who probably slides right into that starting lineup and 
boy, you've got a nice, a nice mixture of legitimate NBA talent and guys who have already been through it, who are experienced. And that is whether you take 2015 uh, Duke, 2012 Kentucky, everybody remembers the one and dones. But as a point I've made a million times, three of the top six scores on each of those teams were non-freshmen. This Duke team is going to have the five-star freshmen and they're going to have the NBA talent, but they're going to be relying on guys who are, you know, in many cases in their second, third, fourth year of college. And that's a, what John's got available to him right now is the recipe for winning a national championship. If Proctor actually makes the jump, uh, man, then that's where I think things really change for Duke. Cause I expect Roach to be what he's been maybe a notch better, but he's been, he's been pretty, he's been pretty good and he should improve and, and having his leadership, you know, to have a, a this is how it was for, for so long as you well know, GP, but to have a high level anywhere from top 10 to top 30 high school prospect last in a good way for four years in college, coaches will take that every single time. Duke gets that with Roach, flip outperformed expectations, and then Mitchell. I, you know, there's, there's just so much promise here. And by the way, they bring back Ryan Young, who was like one of the three most important players for the first 12 game of du- 12 games of Duke season last season. Jalen Blakes is back and he'll be like a role player, but you mentioned McCain. They're going to have an overload of guards here. So Sean Stewart is a top 20 guy. He'll get minutes. TJ power is a top 20 level kind of guy. He'll, you would think come in and depending on how they deploy young, like he can just get spot minutes for, for, Mitchell or Flip. Um, and then Caleb Foster is the only four-star guy here in the mix there. Uh, we'll see actually how liberal Shire wants to get with his minutes because he will not be hurting uh, for bodies here. They're actually, uh, they appear, now look up on Valentine's Day and we'll see how many guys are actually logging 15 plus minutes per game. But the roster itself is pretty it's pretty deep overall and appears to be, what's interesting is it appears to have you know all the spots that you'd want, but and the bigs will be productive, but between Proctor, Roach, uh, Blake, even like Jaden Shuck comes back, he didn't play, but is he going to increase there? Then you've got, what, Stewart, Kane Foster. You've got a lot of guards and wings there, so I would anticipate um, a lot of three-guard looks. In fact, probably all the time, to be honest with what they have here. They'll, they'll run nothing but three-guard looks and then a couple of bigs there. And yeah, Duke is back. It never left, but, uh, but here we go. Let's go. So we were actually talking about this on my the Gary Paris show earlier, and I asked my producer, who's like a casual college basketball fan, I was like, hey, do people still hate Duke? When you hear, when I'm telling you Duke might be preseason number one, do you go, God, I hate them? Or is that done? Did that die with Mike Krzyzewski retiring? And he said, no, he still hates Duke. Yeah, it's still out there. It's still out there? I yeah. like Duke. I like Duke. Yeah. Great, great academic institution. Come on, Duke. Smart young head coach. I like blue. I don't hate Duke. Does that put me in the minority? I'm fine with Duke. Um, no, just it's uh, it's constantly polarizing. It is what it is. Now the with Shashevsky leaving, it's not it's not what it once was. Uh, but there's always going to be an element of that there, and that's ultimately obviously good for college basketball. We want to have programs that represent a villain, even if you know, John. Sh- John Shire does not 
look the role of a villain, not like or act the role of a villain, or, he act, does, or anything. But it is he does all is, his he, he does all his own half halftime interviews. Uh, how about that? Does yeah, all his right. halftime interviews. He's just like I tell I tell people all the time. Like if you knew John Shire, you would like him. He's likable. He's a likable guy. Got a beautiful family. I love Duke. I mean, in fact, I want to establish. I, it's not that I, I don't Duke. hate Duke. I love Duke. All right, there we go. Hit me that button. Hit me a button. Well, which, I mean, I, I got a lot here. Defense. Come on, Duke. That's Let's the one. Go. Yeah, I got four of them loaded. Let's go, Duke. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, no, I think it is good for the sport, though, to have Duke be, you know, near the top of the polls and have have fans root against something, some sort of monolith there. Sometimes it's Kentucky. Sometimes it's Duke. That's usually the two programs. But uh, but Indiana can get in there sometimes. And maybe, maybe they're just working their way back because they just picked up a player that decommitted, wouldn't you know, from Duke. So a nice little plot this twist there, huh, GP? It's always nice when a Blue Blood program can land a guy who wasn't going to be good enough to play at the other Blue Blood program. Congratulations to the Hoosiers. We'll talk about that next. First, a word. <laughs> from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So there's this high school player named uh, uh, McKenzie Mbaco, and he was uh, signed and ready to go to Duke, and then he realized he wasn't going to be able to play at Duke, so he had to find a new place. And that new place? Indiana! He's going to be a Hoosier. Maybe he'll be the the key to getting this Blue Blood program back to the Final Four, even the Elite Eight for the first time since 2002. What do you think? Um, I'm not going to put that much on the young man's shoulders, but yes, uh, he picked, by the way, picked Indiana over Kansas. I, I thought this was the right decision because he left Duke because Flip returned, right? And then Kansas gets Dickinson. And, and Baco, these, you know, his, his position, what he does, isn't exactly A to A and, and B to B with with what flip does and, and with what Dickinson does, but you know, he's, he's six foot eight. He played on the EYBL circuit on DJ Wagner's team. And so I've seen him play a, a ton and unquestionably, there were some games where you'd watch him play and be like, I understand why Wagner's number one player in the class, but this dude's having the best game of anyone on the floor right now. And you know, he, he's really, really, really good. And probably, necessary addition for Indiana to continue, you know, cresting in the right direction. He averaged 16 and a half points and 7.6 rebounds on the EYBL circuit with the scholars there again, playing with um, someone who might well be one of the best point guards in the sport next season in Wagner there, but for Woodson to get this done. And I can't help but think that the career 
of Trace Jackson Davis also played a role, although Mbako has no designs on, on being a four-year player the way that Ch- Jackson Davis was. He certainly can, he's going to step into Jackson Davis's role. He's a better overall shooter and is more reliable from the mid to, to deep range than, than Jackson Davis was. Uh, but getting him, man, that's a big one. I got another trivia time for you. Okay, let's go. Trivia time. Two, two, 2002, last time Indiana was in a Elite Eight. It was more than two decades ago. 2002. That's my answer. That made the title game, of course. That's my answer. Mbako is the highest rated recruit to commit to Indiana and ultimately play there since who? You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to go back to 02. It's been it's been more recent than that. Who do you think was the last recruit rated as high or higher to play for the Hoosiers? And no cheating in the chat. I'm not looking right now, but uh, I would imagine that the chat might be able to get this as well. Oh, it's one of them brothers. <laughs> okay. I don't know how to interpret that answer. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I mean. The brothers from Indiana. Okay. What are their names? I can't even think of them. What right now. are their names? Zellers. The Zellers. That would be incorrect. It has been oh, more recently than Cody Zeller. I went through all that <laughs> for that. I went, all, I went through all that just to be wrong. You did. I was thinking. One more Cody guess. Zeller. This is this is get this is gettable. Uh, this player's recruitment was as intensely followed of any Indiana recruit since Zeller. I mean, so it's somewhere between Cody Zeller. Don't look at the chat. It's in there. Don't I'm look not, at the no, chat. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at it. It's some in between Jalen Huchifino. It's between those two. Correct. It's it's happening. Oh between God, them. I know the little the little shooter Romeo. Romeo Langford. Yeah. Romeo Langford was. And I, swear, and I swear to God on my kid's life, I did not look at the chat. Romeo Langford was seventh in the class of 2018. Was the recruit that you know basically Archie Miller's tenure was built around, and Baco's the highest rated recruit since him. If you're wondering, Trace was 28th overall and was a four-star player. I got one more trivia time for you. Okay, let's go. In the 247 sports era, mm-hmm. and so that goes like, and some of these are, I guess, retroactively applied, but let's just say it's basically the past 25 years with Indiana basketball, okay? So late 90s. There have been four. You might say only four. Yeah, only four. Only four top only 10 four recruits. For, only four for Indiana? Only four Indiana basketball. For Indiana no, I, I reject the premise. There is no way a program as great as Indiana that last went to the Elite Eight in 2002 only has four top 10 recruits in this entire database. I reject the premise. That's impossible. I, rem- I remind you of a conversation we had, I think, in March of 22 when we discovered that Indiana like had not made the Big Ten semi since like 2000. Two again, like same deal. We're like, there's no way this is possible. It's not so even possible. Indiana basketball is too yes. good for. I reject the premise. There's no way this is true. Kentucky gets like four top ten guys every other year. There's no way Indiana only has four in the past quarter. I'm century. going off of what two four seven sports show. I know, me. but you don't understand. There's no this way, podcast started. There is so. no way a program could own four top ten recruits in a quarter century and have a fan base that tweets as much as the fan base tweets. So I reject the premise. I just don't think it's, it can't possibly be true. Because if, if you were a fan of a program that never gets top 10 recruits and hasn't been to the Elite Eight since 2002 and has underachieved relative to preseason expectations each of the past two years, there's no way you'd be popping off all the time like that. Mm. I, I reject the premise. I doubt it's true. 
All right. Well, nonetheless, I have four names here. We've named three of them. So four top 10 recruits in the past 25-ish years for IU. Rename the three. Who are the three? Romeo Langford. Yes. Cody Zeller. Yes. And the guy we're talking this about. This fella. Mbako. Who's the fourth? The fourth is probably... Committed to play under Tom Crean if you'd like a little cheat. I would like a cheat. The only name that pops into my head is OG Ananobi. I know it's not him. Oh, it's not. I wonder where OG was ranked. I'll look that up real quick. He was he was like, I think he was just a guy. I think, I think he, was he was just a guy. Jag. I'm looking right now. Um OG 221. 221 in the class of geez, what was his class here? Hold on. What OG. about the big fella? You might be on to something. Class of 15 for Ananobi. I would have actually thought like 12 or 13. Time's flying. Yeah, the big fella. What's his name? Chat's got it. Don't look. I'm not looking. And this chat thing, it changes the dynamic of trivia. Vonley. Correct. Noah Vonley is the only other top 10 prospect to commit and play at IU in the past. I reject the premise. There's no way that's true. And according to the Daily Hoosier, Mbako's the 32nd player. Oh, I am looking at the chat now and you missed somebody because Eric Gordon was obviously a top 10 prospect. Uh, Eric Gordon, he was. (laughs) He was very much. Uh, why didn't it have it? Two, four, seven. Call Eric Gordon was a top 10 player. Eric Gordon was awesome. He was like the number two player. Was he not? He was up there. It was, they were all mixed up that year. It was like OJ Mayo, Kevin Love, Eric Gordon, Derek Rose, Michael Beasley. Yeah, that class was awesome. Gordon, man. Yeah. Talk about uh, it was basically yeah, just no, the, the famous the famous grassroots thing out at Foothill. Yes. We went to Foothill. Like Foothill. That was before early, my time, but yes. Early on a cool. Sunday morning, and it was Derek Rose, Eric Gordon against OJ Mayo and Bill Walker. I think you can find it on YouTube. Okay, then. Well, there's there's five. Thirty-two players have been have been uh, McDonald's All Americans to play at Indiana since that event started. And Bonco is the thirty-second. He is the first. Since Trace Jackson Davis, also Indiana will have Kalil Ware, Oregon transfer, also McDonald's All American. So it'll be the first time since James Blackman Jr. and Thomas Bryant six years ago that IU actually rosters to McDonald's All American. So a big get. By the way, I don't think we mentioned this. Mbako committed late on a Friday in May. Um, so uh, not, not one for high publicity, I guess. Following in Bronny James's footsteps, here is what Indiana is looking at next season. Bringing in Baco and Ware, big time players. Um, Malik Renault will return. Trey Galloway, Xavier Johnson got cleared, so he's expected to be back, which I think will be significant. And then they bring in, you know, some transfers. A guy from Ball State who averaged thirteen point three points per game. Peyton Sparks, Anthony Walker from Miami, who was just a bit player there. They've got a, a recruit, like a top 80 guy coming in and Gabe Cups, and along with Ja'Kai Newton, who's a four-star player there. So they have pieces. The question is, Gary Parrish, mm-hmm. do you have Indiana ranked, or does Mbako's addition not even get you there? Because I think getting Mbako is the piece that gives Indiana fans hope that this can continue, as I said to start this, in the right direction. You know, year one was solid. Year two was a little bit better. They almost broke through, but didn't get through the second weekend. They ran into Final 14 Miami there. Um, heading into next season, 
I don't think you can ask this team to be too much better than it was last season, but at least Mbako, who I think has a chance to be one of the five most productive freshmen in the country, I think this was borderline necessary for Woodson to make sure that the momentum is still going in the right direction. I do not have Indiana ranked. Do you agree with me? If he would have committed to Kansas, it would be almost unanimous number one, Kansas? Uh, Probably, yes. Because I I think, especially if Mbako's deployed the right way and used the right way, that's that's why I want to see what happens here at IU. Uh, Yeah, I think KU probably needs to be, although I'm never a fan of unanimous number ones because we see how that can backfire. But from a practical standpoint, it would have been hard to argue against the Jayhawks, but that's not where we're at. I do not have Indiana in the top 25 and one, but I do think like if things break the right way, they've got a like a legitimate chance to be the second best team in their state. Again, I think Indiana, if everything goes the right way, can be the second best men's basketball team in the state again. Okay. Gosh. I think that's on the table. Like, I don't think that's setting mm. the bar too high. Like, can you, Indiana, IU, be the second best basketball team in the state of Indiana? I think so. Do I you think, think so? I do. I do. I think, I think they can do that. And I don't it, think that's – is that setting the bar too high for them? Would Indiana fans be like, come on, GP, don't get unreal. I think you can be the second best team in the state of Indiana. Wow. I'm trying to – you know, this commitment happened, what, four days ago. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to give IU fans a little bit of love on the show, talk about their big, their big get that's going to have them, you know, believing they can be a factor in the Big Ten race. And here you are. I try, Indiana fans. Listen, continue to listen to the show. I'm, I'm, I'm working as best I can for you, but you see what I'm up against here. I think, no, I mean, like, listen. There was a time where I think Indiana would set out to try to be the best bas- men's basketball team in the state of Indiana every year, right? That, that We lived through that. We remember that. We're old enough to remember that. <sighs> and so, you know, over, over time, things change. I still think they can compete to finish in the top two. Depending on what, you know, obviously depending on what's going on with the Sycamores. I think they could be. Well, one of the greatest players in the history of the game literally did leave Indiana to play for Indiana State. So there's also that. Listen, um, okay. Is it true that Indiana has underachieved each of the past two seasons? Underachieved? Is it true that? No. Well, in 2022, they started 30th at Ken Palm and they finished 48th. And in 2023, they started 12th at Ken Palm and finished 30th. Wow. So is it okay. true wow. that Indiana has underachieved each of the past two seasons? I guess according to Ken Palm, it's true. You can according to Ken Palm, it's true. I don't feel like Indiana underachieved last season. It, it, what? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly just goofing around this whole bit. This is a whole I'm just goofing around. Here's the, here's the big but picture. Yes, they underachieved. What are you talking I mean, about? They, they finished tied for second in the Big Ten. They had the second best player in the country. They got a four seed and went up against the final four team and played them well and won 23 games in their second season under Mike Woodson. I don't feel like it was an underachieving season for Indiana. I feel like they, they might have hit the mark of what was reasonably expected. You thought that they underachieved. I'm not even, I'm not even like joking. This isn't a bit like, I feel like they kind of leveled out where they should have last season. Okay. I and they didn't have Xavier Johnson. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't, Jalen Finno is going to be like first round pick. I don't know. I, I don't have too many. Issues. I mean, I'll just keep it simple. They were projected to win the big 10. They didn't. They started 12th at Kim Palm and finished 30th. What are you talking about? That's underachieving. Right. Okay. I mean, in what world is that not underachieving? 
I didn't pick Indiana to win the Big Ten. So I guess in my, I have at this for my own expectations. I didn't, I didn't have Indiana lofted that high. I saw, I, I saw the bigger picture. I knew it was actually possible and, and achievable, and I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't hold them to that kind of. I thing. believed in them. I picked Indiana to win the Big Ten. I believed in them, but like you know what? That's on me. That's on me. Fool me once, mm. shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I don't know if Indiana can get back to the Elite Eight for the first time in more than 20 years with McKenzie. That should not be the expectation with this roster. Yeah. It should not. But can you finish second in your own state? I think that's possible. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Can we, can, we, can we actually swerve this conversation real quick to the thing that I texted you about? Because Indiana applies to this, this topic. Sure, swerve. Okay. So Kevin Clark covers, uh, covers the NFL, I think Formula One. Does a bunch of stuff for The Ringer. Slow News Day. Great writer. Really good dude. He tweeted something on Monday where he got into talking about, because Andy Staples wrote a story for The Athletic about the state of Florida football, the Florida Gators football, where it is now, what, what it was, you know, for the better part of 20 years or so, and how Florida's kind of just, it's, it's gotten to a place where it's actually, you could argue that it is in some ways resembling Indiana basketball, I suppose, but that's not the point of that piece. So then Kevin Clark uh, springs off of that and says, this is not what Florida should, should be. This is, shouldn't be their expectations. It's, it's unacceptable. You're in, you're in a, you're in arguably, you know, the t- most talent rich state in the country uh, for, for college football prospects. You can't be this if you're Florida. So he tweeted out here are my quote, no excuses jobs where you should compete for a conference title every single year after, after year one of a coaching hire. So at, you get one year of a grace period, but by year two, if you're at one of these, 12 programs in college football, you are competing for a conference title. Those 12 schools, according to Kevin Clark, are Texas, Southern California, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Miami, Florida State, Alabama, Michigan, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Penn State. He said, given the talent base, you have no real excuses. Now, to me, in ba- we're going to do this for basketball. Compete for a conference title, to me, means that you are in the top three in your league standings, maybe four, but really top three of your league standings basically every season, and you are winning a conference regular season championship at least once every three years. That's what this means. That's what, what I equate to what Clark put out there. But before I give you mine, there are 80 schools that are going to be in big six leagues as of July 1. 80 what? of them. 80 schools are in big six leagues. 
Do you have a list of what schools this should apply to? No excuses. Year two, you are competing for regular season championships in the big six leagues. I got my list ready. Do you have a list ready, GP? I do not have a list ready. Okay, I, I have thought, a list. Because I, I, thought we, I thought we agreed not to talk about this. <laughs> I have the list. This one's okay. this right. And because we'll get out here faster. I have the list. And then you tell me if you d- agree or disagree. Okay. okay. That might be the way to do this. Okay. I've got 13 schools out of 80 that I think apply to this. All right. Again, doesn't matter the coach. By year two in college basketball, you are competing for a regular season championship. We're not talking Final Four as a national champion. Regular season. All right. In the ACC, I've got three schools that I think this applies to. Carolina, Duke. Of course. And yes, Louisville. Louisville is a top 10 all-time program, and it's coming off its worst season ever. But Louisville absolutely applies this. Before I go to the next conference, would you agree with that list? Would you take anyone off? Would you put anyone on? I think those three absolutely should be on there. The one that I would wonder, like, and this is based off of peak Jim Beheim, but Syracuse, could Syracuse be on that list? We'll, so I thought about this with Syracuse. Will we expect Syracuse in the second year under Red Autry to compete for an ACC regular season championship? I don't think that we will. And the fact that I think there's hesitation means that Syracuse should not be on the list. Fine with me. Okay. Can I, can I throw a query out here? Hmm. Hello, Nada. Hello. Um, where's, how far was away was Virginia in this? I thought about Virginia, but I think that's a Tony Bennett job. Correct. Decently far. Now, this topic in particular, if you've been listening to all our off-season episodes, we did a, we did a segment a few shows back where we talked about uh, we had, it was the mailbag episode where coach where people someone asked you know what uh, programs and the and the head coach how much is this is current program responsible for a success because it's tied to the head coach and we thought and when we listed however many it was ten to twelve of them Virginia was on that list if your team is on the list it's hard to be on that list your head coach is so responsible for your success and also be on this list because this is more program institution is bigger than the person that's actually running it so. Um, I did think about Virginia and I did think about Syracuse, but I've only got UNC Duke Louisville applying in this scenario. All right. Fine with me. Fine with me. Big East. There's only two and you know, the two GP. Okay. What's well, going to be UConn. Yep. And the school that has won like, Oh, Villanova. Yeah, it's UConn Villanova. Now what's interesting about, <laughs> I was this, wondering if you might put Georgetown on the list. Like if you're the right guy at Georgetown, can you get that thing flipped quick? It has, does it? It has deteriorated so much at that program that it is not in the conversation right now. If we had done this podcast segment eight years ago, I think we would have put Georgetown on it. But time can can really wear away at that. Don't I can't put Georgetown on the list there. What's interesting about this is with Villanova, this is what we have. Like Kyle Neptune is going into his second season. And the expectation for that program will, will be that they compete for the Big East regular season title. That is the expectation there. And short of that, so top three in the league is unacceptable. Villanova is in that category. Obviously, UConn is in that category. No one else in the Big East, I think, fits that bill. Big 10 is where it gets spicy and interesting. I'll give you my... I, I have three. Okay. You could argue for fewer. You could argue for more. For me, the three are Tom Izzo leaves Michigan State at the end of the season. Whoever replaces them, replaces them. They get one year. Michigan State fans will expect that program to be competing for a Big Ten regular season title by year two. Michigan State's on the list. Indiana is on the list. Hell, we just saw it. It was just year two for Mike Woodson. And as we just talked about, they were expected to compete for a regular season title. They ultimately did. And then I put Ohio State on the list as well. 
I do not have. I do not. Let's just stop. hold on. Hold on. Hold on. For hold second. on. Hold on. We will hold on. I do not have Purdue, and I do not have Michigan. I think those are the two others that you can argue should be in there. If you're going to go against me on Ohio State, I'm very fascinated to see why. But MSU, IU, OSU are my three teams from the Big Ten. I will acknowledge that Indiana should be on this list. I reject that Indiana competed for a conference championship last season. They finished three games back. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. They didn't compete they, for anything they last tied season. For second. They finished tied for second. I, I can rephrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They finished tied for That's like you're racing. Who was that swimmer? Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky. It's like you finished second to Katie Ledecky, but like 75 yards back. Okay. I mean, we'll give Purdue's you a silver medal. Purdue, God love Matt Painter. Purdue basketball has nothing on the dominance of Katie Ledecky. Let's be we'll clear. give you a silver medal, but like you weren't competing for gold. Indiana got a silver medal. My last point season. was that heading into his second season. Oh, yeah. Th- the expectation was Indiana would compete for the Big Ten regular season championship. Okay, good. good. Say that again. Say that again. What the was expectation. the expectation? Okay. And the expectation finished, was that they, they would finish three games back. Well, that's three, what actually happened. One, okay. one two, three games back. And you don't think they underachieved? To my own expectations, they didn't, because I, I had them finishing fourth in the league. You so. had them finishing three games back of Indiana? I mean, of I Purdue? Did. I did, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I had Purdue. I believed I had, in them more than that. I had Illinois winning the league. I believed, <laughs> I, I believed in them. <laughs> no, okay. Indiana. I'll go Indiana. Yes. I'll go... Michigan State, just because they've yeah. been good my whole life. Yes, that, that clearly they are on the list. You had so Ohio your State. third. Ohio State. Okay, but like I think you can also put Michigan on there. I think you can also put Maryland on there. Maryland, no. Maryland, no. Not not and not in this current conference footprint. I understand Maryland's a really good program, but like, is okay. We are literally in this right now. Kevin Willard is going into his second season at Maryland. Is the expectation at Maryland this season that they will be one, two, three in the conference, and that's where it sh- absolutely should be? I don't feel like that's the temperature. Of that. Now, trust me, I understand there is a faction of the Maryland fan base that is like this, but I don't feel as though the pressure surrounding Kevin Wheeler in his second season at that job in that conference is quite at that level. Are you, are you suggesting Kevin Wheeler is not the right guy for the job? Not at all. Hmm. Not at all. I think I think Maryland's close. To, if Maryland's not on the list, they're close. I, I acknowledge Maryland is close. Yes. All right. I think I don't know. I don't understand how Michigan couldn't be on there. I mean, it's the, it's Michigan for crying out loud. Can you have six schools in one conference? Have this be the situation though? Because uh, that also this feels like a semi-exclusive kind of club. And Michigan had plenty of seasons in which it was down. Okay. I don't let's, know let's, if Michigan's there. Let, let's 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 put it let's put it to a test. Juwan Howard retires. Yeah, you take First a. All, you got him retire. Is he what? He's forty nine. <laughs> yeah, he might just be over. He's he's financially secure enough to do so. But <laughs> and you make a good hire at Michigan. You don't think that guy should be competing for the Big Ten title in year two? I do. I I do. To be fair, on this list, the my I have a note. My school that it was closest to being on it that I kept off was Michigan. That's mm. the that's the 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 cutoff. Yes. Okay, so we agree on Indiana, Michigan State and Ohio State. I'm saying Maryland and Michigan, if they're not on the list, they're very close. We can agree on that. I think that's fair. All right. Big 12. Big 12. Only two. 
Kansas, Kansas and, Texas. and Texas. That's it. That's it. Yeah. No one else in the Big 12 reasonably are you expected to actually compete for the first of Kansas. It's really just Kansas. But yeah. Texas, and this is going to change. And let's get into this now. Texas is in the Big 12 now. It's going to the SEC. Is that still the situation at Texas in the SEC for basketball? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Is it? Is it? I mean, like, there's only one conference champion, and look at all the ridiculous schools you're going to have in the SEC. So is is this situation still going to apply to Texas in two years? I think I and I know that the the history of the program does not back this up, but I think if you are awesome at this job and you're the Texas coach, you should be competing for championships every year. Okay. I think that's fair. I have Texas on the list. Pac twelve. Does this apply? I have UCLA and Arizona, because it's obviously those are the only two in that conference. I don't think this applies to UCLA when it goes to the Big Ten. It's super weird geographic disparity. There's going to be other factors with this job. UCLA fans will want to probably keep it there. I'm not going to reject that. But I don't know if me personally, I don't know if I expect UCLA. Granted, I know who's the coach there, but I don't know if I'm going to expect UCLA to compete for the Big Ten regular season championship every single year. I got to see how this is going to work. This is first off, off, like it. Nobody competes for it every year except Bill Self and Mark Few. So that's too no, high I don't, Compete is you're in the top three pretty much almost every year. That was the parameter that I laid out at the time. Even if you're tied for second three games back? Yeah. Even if you're tied for second three games back to a superior school in your own state? Yeah. The whole point is, is, is there's no excuses. The infrastructure in place at the program – Recruiting territory, NIL facilities, anything. There's no excuses. By year two, you are at the top or near the top of your ledger in your conference play. No excuses. Arizona's going to remain there. I have UCLA there, obviously, in the Pac-12 now. In the Big Ten, I think that's going to be interesting. It's a super wild card there. Well, yeah, we'll have to see how the, you know, plenty of coaches who have been in charge of programs that change leagues. You know, we're going from the Big East to the ACC or from this to that. They will tell you that the impact on recruiting um, is can, can be dramatic and that, I mean, I don't want to speak for Mike Bray, but I think he would tell you that it was easier to get people to come to Notre Dame to play in the Big East than it was to get people to come to Notre Dame to play in the ACC. Um, obviously, when UConn went to the American, that was a – they, I know they won a championship, but that, that was not the same as being in the Big East. So will will UCLA moving to the Big Ten impact the type of regional prospect UCLA has traditionally gotten? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I don't know for sure, but I don't think so. I think UCLA is going to be good in the Pac-10. In the Pac-10? Big, yeah. yeah. I think there's a chance. Right? I, I like Big UCLA. Big Pac-10. 10. I think Big they're going 10. to three Final Fours in three years, personally. Um, last one is SEC. I only have Kentucky. Michigan and Florida were my two cutoffs. Todd Golden is about to enter his second season at Florida. Who were your two cutoffs? Michigan and Florida were the two closest cutoffs for me. And the Southeastern Conference? No, overall. Overall. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> the, uh, real life is getting wacky, folks. I don't even know anymore. I can't keep up. <laughs> it is. It's in, yeah. There's even more stuff. We're not even getting to that ACC nonsense right now. But anyway, um, Todd Golden's going into year two in Florida. And while Florida fans would like to get back to the level it was once at, 
uh, you know, in, in kind of going back to that staple story between football and basketball, it's actually a pretty interesting time there for Florida. And there's there's optimism, but like they've got to get back like a notch or two back uh, up from where they once were. I don't know if that's the case. Like Florida's not expected to be first, second or third in that league. And while fans would like that to be the case, it doesn't feel like there's this like angst around it. So I cut Florida off because it literally it literally applies this upcoming season and Florida doesn't fit the bill. So to me, the only school where this applies is Kentucky and the SEC. Disagree? I might want to put Arkansas on the list. Maybe, but the program didn't make a sweet 16 from 1996 to 2021. So I don't know. I mean, Indiana hasn't been to the Elite Eight since 2002. Oh, Open them back in. 2002. I would hear an argument for Arkansas, but I just don't know if that's... Buddy, I was having premarital sex in 2002. The last time Indiana... <laughs> First off, look at me. Look how old I am. All right? Now, now keep in mind. Now, now, consider this. The last time Indiana was in the Elite Eight, I was actively having premarital sex. What do you want me to do? Prior to Mus, market. Okay. <laughs> I've been going there. Okay, that's my 13. Carolina, Duke, Louisville, UConn, Nova, Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State, Kansas, Texas, UCLA, Arizona, Kentucky. No excuses. Competing for conference titles every year. After year one, the only schools that apply to Kevin Clark's list in mine, Texas and Ohio State are the only ones in football and men's basketball where that is the actual case. Michigan, Florida were my two cutoffs. Any closing thoughts? Nope, I don't have them. I'm out of thoughts. All right, let's get out of here on this. <laughs> let's get out of here on this because we're going to, first of all, I'm going to be with, if you're watching live on YouTube, smash that like button like you're Brandon Davies, please. Parrish and I are going to be on CBS Sports HQ later on Tuesday night, running through Parrish's mock draft. What? Yeah, after the draft lottery. We're going to be on a, a draft special, 9 to 10 Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. You'll be able to watch that on YouTube afterward and a variety of places. It'll be a really fun time. Adam Finkelstein, Avery Johnson will also be a part of that. I tweeted shortly before we went, went live. There's five teams that have the most likely odds to get number one and win the Webby sweepstakes. Those are Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, each at 14% apiece to win tonight's draft lottery. Charlotte's at 12.5%, and then Portland is at 10.5%. For you, as mm-hmm. like as a non-fan of any of those teams, and, and Memphis isn't even in the lottery, um, which one would you actually like to see get Wembenyama? Like, just as a basketball fan... On the Gary Parish show, you're talking about the NBA regularly, daily, practically. Um, which one do you think is just the best for the league? Best for like that you'd be most interested to see? Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland. Nada, we know your answer. GP, you. Which one of those five do you think would be best? Maybe having Dame, a running mate in Portland, would be fun. That's my although answer. although go look up the history of big men in Portland. I know, I know, and, and that's know. scary. To that's... me, to me, it's Portland. I think Portland because of its history and the idea of Dame being the mentor for Wembenyama. And although it is a West Coast team, so he, you know, the games would you don't have a Central East Coast time zone. To me, I think Portland is the best story of the five. If it were to win. Um, if Charlotte wins, we might not have a podcast producer for the next three to six weeks. 
Nada, let's get a quick thought from you as we are now T-minus about five hours to the draft lottery. Your Hornets are 12.5%. I presume you have no optimism whatsoever that your team will win the draft lottery. Absolutely not. Besides, the, the right answer for this, for who I want to see win this draft lottery, is Detroit. Cade, Jaden Ivey, Wembenyama, Jalen Duran. That's actually going to be a fun young group. As that would be as awesome. That would be awesome. And he would be in the East. I, as a uh, fan of a Western conference team with a suspended point guard, I would prefer him to go to the East. Um, but in terms of what I think would be, so I'd love like LaMelo ball throwing lobs to Wemby would be fun. Um, but the, the thing that I think would be most interesting for the NBA, if you expand it beyond the five teams that you mentioned, yeah, Dallas with Luca. Oh my gosh. Oklahoma City with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren. 1.7% for OKC. Dallas is, is cruising at a 3% chance, by the way. Right. Those would be fun. New Orleans with Zion. Like if Zion's ever healthy and you get Wimbanyama and Zion, I mean, I don't even know what you do with that. Orlando, by the way, has two picks. Would here. be awesome. Like, yeah, but yeah. only the Orlando thing, I believe, is they've got their own pick. Yes, to get number one, and yeah, but Chicago's is top four protected. So if if that pick wins the lottery, the Bulls will be picking. I believe the Bulls will be picking first. Uh, As someone who grew up a humongous Chicago Bulls fan, um, Wembenyama would be the guy to get me back, uh, really back on the Bulls train. There, Um, let's wrap it. Let's predict who who's going to win it though. We we said who we thought would be the best fit. Who? Nada, you first. Who's going to win the draft lottery? Who's going to who's going to be drafting Victor Wembenyama? San Antonio. It just feels faded, San Antonio. That would be fun because, like, you'd get to. Have- I think there'd be a lot of. I think there'd be a lot of eye rolling and groaning if San Antonio wins this. They got Duncan. They got Robinson. They, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying I believe that. I, I think that is the least desirable outcome on the board for the general NBA fan. Well, you would get arguably the greatest NBA coach of all time working with arguably the most unique, greatest NBA prospect of all time. So that'd be fun. But the truth is, like, when you look at Oklahoma City, there's other stuff there. You look at Orlando, there's other stuff there. In San Antonio right now, there's just, like, it's not like you get Wimbanyama and you're ready. Like, they won't make the playoffs next season. They're going to be bad again. There's not enough there yet. So if you don't want to watch him be on a bad, bad team, you should mm-hmm. probably root against that, at least uh, at least for tonight. Okay, not a guess San Antonio gets Wemby. Who is going to win the lottery tonight? Gary Parish. Houston. We agree. Um, I mean, there, there's nothing to agree on. It's, a, it's ping pong balls bouncing around. It's not like we have any insight. We're just. I know. Like, I know. I'm saying we agree on our guess. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's, just it's, whatever. It's, I'm thinking Houston gets it and the Rockets land Wembenyama. And uh, and that's what it, we'll it's like. This is like this. Hey, I'm thinking of a number right now between one and 14. What do you think I'm thinking of? 11. No, that's four. I do this game with my four year old. Got to be honest, though. No, I'm no, never going to be honest. Watch this. I'm thinking of a it's number terrible. right now. Between, I'm I'm no, I want to play it. One, play with me one more time. One through 14. Uh, I'll say five. I was thinking of 11. <laughs> no, I really was. I'll do it again. One through 14. Go. <sighs> Two. Seven. I was thinking of seven. <laughs> one through right. 14. Go. We're done. No, this is a good podcast. No, we're out of here. No, I, I got an email. They said we need to do more guessing games in the podcast. That's what that was. I think I read that somewhere. You and I got Houston. We agree. <laughs> Would like to see Portland. You'd like to see Portland. You know what, though? 
No, I don't want to see Portland. I would like to see, I'll go with not. I'd like to see Charlotte. I want him in the East. I don't need a, we got enough challenges here in Memphis right now. <laughs> we, we don't need a Wimbanyama challenge as well. All right. We got enough going on here in Memphis. Fair enough. If you'd like to know more about that, check in on the Gary Parrish show on YouTube, Grind City Media. There we go. Good plug, Norlander. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for once again listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast, watching the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. Yeah. I didn't do it because of this, but people in the chat are now saying because of this show's history, we just guaranteed Houston will not be kidding. Houston's got no shot. Houston is no over for them. They're no. done. Houston's going to end up picking. Houston's going to have the best odds to pick first, and they're going to pick 23rd now somehow. Watch. Somehow the, we'll the Rockets will pick 23rd in, 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 in the 2023 NBA draft. If there's only one thing, two things I want you to remember from this episode, it is that there's more of us than there are of them, and Indiana has not been to an Elite Eight since 2002. You were doing it. Maybe this is the year. I mean, probably not, but maybe. Talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye. normal what's normal the paramount plus original series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves demons and now what a baby antichrist (laughs) prepare yourself you will not beat us for the end visions of hell make it stop make it shut up you're not gonna survive this evil the final season streaming may 23rd only on paramount plus